Praise be to God's holy name. Such a joy to be back in the house of God. I thank each and everyone who's been praying around for this church, for the servers. It is because of the prayer that we are here worshiping and seeking Him in the spirit and in truth. I once again greet you all this morning. And uh, before I start this message, I don't know, I was just praying a couple of minutes before. And I just got this thought and I'm sharing it. Uh, this is not part of your message, so don't confuse it with the message. Uh, it is about tithe, it is about offering. Uh, off late, uh, there's a lot of talk about why should we uh, give uh, school fees or pay the fees at school because uh, their expenses have come down. Why do we pay the same kind of uh, fees that we have been paying all this while? Uh, and uh, people started comparing that uh, topic with tithe. There are a lot of expenses come down. Why are we tithing? Do not compare the worldly uh, expense with tithe because what we give to school is completely different. What we give to church, we're not giving it to pastors. We're not giving it for any other reason. We are giving it because the Bible says that we need to give one-tenth of our earning. We are giving it to the Lord not to any man or woman in this world. We are doing it as an obedience. I just wanted to share, I don't know why, but I just strongly wanted to share this message. And now let's head into today's message. Are you all excited? Uh, probably not the right time to ask this question among the pandemic and so much of disturbance and discouragements, negativity. But at the end of this message, we will know that there is life ahead of all these things. And I want to start with a small incident that happened in my wife's life uh, probably a couple of days before. Uh, I got a call from one of my non-believers and uh, I was away from phone and uh, she had to pick up the call. And uh, few know about my wife's condition, health condition. And uh, for the ones who do not know, she's going through a uh, Critical health condition, uh, it's called the PAH, pulmonary artery hypertension is what medically they call it. Her lung is almost condensed and uh, the right side heart is getting swollen because of the pressure. And the artery between the heart and the lung, uh, That's uh, she's got a blood pressure, the high blood pressure in that artery. So her breathing, she cannot do anything, any normal work that we do, she would not be able to do it. The reason why I'm telling this is the moment she got the call, uh, I was away from phone and she picked up the call. And uh, she answered the call. One of my non-believers spoke to her and she was constantly coughing. And that non-believer recently was uh, COVID-19 positive and he got healed. He's out of hospital. He's there at home living a, a worldly life. The first thing he asked my wife was, I drink, I smoke, I live according to this world. Yet, I was healed from this pandemic, from this COVID-19. But you always pray. You always sit in the presence of God. You worship God day and night. And as far as I know you, 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 could, you cannot sin. Why is that you are not healed? You've been like this for ages. Why is that God is not answering your prayer? Why is that he is not healing you? Now, that's the question most of us have today within us. Why God? Why did I lose my job? Why my education is stopped in between abruptly? Why my pay cut is happening? Why am I not getting my complete pay? Everybody has got such questions within us. 
Now, with that question, I want to park this incident a little uh, aside, and I want to give another incident here. A few days back, after this incident happened, we happened to host a meeting with Reverend Prabhu Isaac, who ministers God in Philadelphia. He was uh, with us on Zoom. He was sharing his testimony. He was serving the Lord for 17 long years in Saudi Arabia. And finally, when he decided to head back to India, a few days before or two days before he was about to leave Saudi Arabia, he was caught by the Saudi police for secretly worshipping the Lord, for having a position of Bible and other gospel-related books. And for next seven and a half months, he was constantly tortured emotionally, physically, and if every possible way he was tortured. You can go ahead and search for his testimony in YouTube. It will be greatly encouraging you. Now, after that, the end of the time, I mean, after seven and a half months, the last day, there was one prisoner who suggested him to get converted into Muslim so that they will release you from the prison and you can head back to your nation. And this thought was haunting him. Shall I, just for the namesake, shall I go ahead and get converted as a Muslim and head back to India and follow my own religious practice? But that's exactly when the Spirit of God spoke to him. Haven't you promised me when you came to ministry that even if my life goes, I will not forsake you? Are you going to forsake me here in front of these guys? That's the moment when he knelt down and said, God, even if they behead me, I will not forsake you. I will stand for you. The very next moment, he, the, the jailer got a call from his higher uh, uh, officials stating that don't touch this man and release him. The very next day, he was being uh, boarded in the flight and sent back to India. And a lot of times we go through such pressure in our life, discomforts, disturbing uh, situations. But people will go ahead and ask one million questions. But one thing, let me tell you, one thing that I have learned out of my life all this while, not all questions, not all allegations are meant to be answered. Few needs an answer called silence because our silence makes God answer. Our silence makes God work wonderful and miraculous things. And I would like to move forward with this. We are living in a instant world aren't we uh, uh, a fast food kind of a world even food we need it in two minutes we, we can't wait when we go to a restaurant we sit there we order and we are like i haven't got it it's been five minutes i've been waiting i haven't got it we are in an instant world we need instant promotion we need instant job right after the college i need to get a job right I, after i get a job i need to get a promotion I have to get a I have to get a right bride I have to get a right bridegroom immediately I have to get married everything immediate instant the saddest part that we are seeing across globe is even in ministry we we are looking we, we come across uh, men and women of God who want immediate blessing they want immediate instant large congregation they need immediate glory they want to do signs and miracles right on the first day they step inside the, uh, the ministry now, this instant world has spoiled all our religious faith. There are a few times that God has done instant miracles. Like the woman who's been waiting for 12 years. But when it came to Lazarus, 
He took his own time. Now it's always good to wait for God's time. Beulah could have got immediate healing, but God is waiting because he is preparing a glorious testimonial life for her. I am sure she is going to get healed. We all know that she will definitely be healed, but when it is on God's time. So we don't have to go and answer why I am not getting healed. I am well. I am being a non-Christian, a non-believer. I live worldly life. I do everything that is against your Bible, but still I am living a wonderful life. I am getting healed. Yes, you are getting healed. But you look at today, we look at eternity. Anybody who dies, or you and me, if we die, we would be definitely called a dead body. But only a soldier is called a martyr. When we, when we die for God, we get a different name. When we die for nation, we get a different name. When we die normally, we get a different name. Are we here to be called just as a dead body after we have died? Or we are here to be called as a martyrs? That's the difference between world and us. We strive for a different destiny. For them, destiny is today. I live today. I drink today. I smoke today. I have money for today. I eat today. I lavishly live. That's the end of the life. But we are destined for a different destiny. Although Bula did not respond for that question, she did not have an answer for that immediately. Uh, she did not respond. The conversation was over. She cut the call. But this kept haunting her. Why God? Why have you forsaken me? Or did you actually forsake me? Or you have a different plan for me? And this was going on. And we... Uh, that's when we had the testimony from, from uh, Reverend uh, uh, Prabhu Isaac that encouraged us, stating that, okay, that's a different plan for us. Questions about uncertainty about the job, questions about uncertainty about economy, fear of uh, pandemic, the coronavirus, the COVID-19. We have been hear hearing only news all this while. I personally... I don't follow news uh, very closely, but my wife does. But every time we turn a news channel or we read a magazine or newspaper, we don't see anything good nowadays, don't we? It's constantly about uh, the recent uh, Kerala flight accident or the flood in Mumbai or Indonesia blast. Back and forth, we are hearing only destructions. And this has simply affected us. Is that causing a loss of faith in us? Can this? Because an apostle says in the uh, uh, Bible that nothing can separate us from God's love, but how can this separate us from God's love? A temporary destruction, a temporary sickness, a temporary job loss, a temporary financial crisis. Can this ever take away the faith that we've been having all this while? When we turn back and see, we would not have enough days to proclaim the goodness that God has given us all this while. Can we? We have everything that we need. We have food on the table. We have roof above us. We have jobs. We have salary. Trust me, we have Bible. That's going to be one of the biggest testimony in the days to come. There will be days when we will not be allowed to have a Bible at home. There will be days, there will be shortage of Bible. There are a lot of things that we can glorify God today. 
But I want to take you back to Beulah's question. Why I am not healed? Why is that a non-believer questions me stating that what did your God do to you? I don't go to any temple. I'm almost like an atheist. For me, there is no God. Yet I live a better healthy life than you. In spite of doing everything that would spoil my health, I am still hale and healthy. Why is your God not healing you? Why is your God not listening to you? Any one of us who is watching this, do you have similar questions within you? Why God? Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? There might be a lot of other questions that I haven't mentioned here. I look at the face. God looks at the heart. He knows your questions. But today for all this question, I want to go ahead and take your attention to one parable or one story, one instant that's uh, quoted in Bible, Matthew chapter 14. It's a very known story or the incident that happened. And that's the title of this message. Where is your focus? Satan is trying every possible way to destroy our faith through joblessness, hopelessness, striking our income, restriction, restricting our religious rights, and etc. But you know what? In midst of all these things, there is one easiest and powerful way he's been, uh, he's been, he, he has taken in his hand. Guess what? What's the powerful way that he's, or the, or the powerful plan he has for all our Christians? That's nothing but diverting our focus. Changing our focus from God to our present situation. Trust me, he is very, very successful in doing this, in shifting our focus. As we are watching this, as you are watching this, and as I am talking, just think about it. Haven't the Satan been successful in your life, shifting your focus from what you have to what you don't? From God, or all the goodness of God in the past, to your current situation. From faith to fear, from contentment to comparing, from love to lust, from peace to jealousy. How many times have you got stuck in this plan or scheme of Satan? How many times Satan has been successful in our life in shifting our focus? I don't know about you, but in my past, this was one terrible thing that Satan did in my life, shifting my focus. Recently, I got a new uh, job role in my company. That was new, absolutely new, a greater responsibility. The moment they gave me the responsibility and they gave me the deadline, trust me, one complete day I was out of my mind. How am I going to do this? I don't even know A, B, C of this uh, job role. This is huge for me. And I was completely completely confused. I locked myself in the room, could not speak to my children, my wife. I was totally confused until I realized that this job, this role was given by God. When he can give me this job role, can't he give me the wisdom to go ahead and fulfill this? And it took just one more day 
to complete the entire documentation, entire work that was assigned to me. Satan really tried to change my focus from the one who has given me this role to the role that was given to me. Most of the time, that is what happens in our life. God gives us something, and with that, He uses that opportunity to or shift our focus from what is given than who gave this. Our focus should be always on the one who gave you, whatever it could be. The wealth, our focus should not be on the wealth, but it should be on the one who gave you this wealth, the job. Not on the job, not on the role, not on the authority, not on the position, but to the one who gave you all these things, the relationship. Even if it is sickness, we have to be focused on him who has allowed it temporarily like he did to Job. But when he gives it back, he gives it double fold. And when he gives a double fold, we don't go and ask him, why did you give me double fold? That's our tendency. Moving forward, uh, we've been in our ministry, we've been getting a lot of prayer requests and off late. Majority of the prayer request is about peace within spouse. Peace within spouse. Last two weeks, there are three different families who decided to end their marriage. No reason. He does not have the same love for me. Okay, what about you? I also don't have the same love for him. Why? No one knows. The reason, they are, it is still unknown. When I ask them what is wrong, okay, tell, we will speak and fix it. No, I don't know what's wrong, but I don't have the same love for this man. I don't have the same love for this woman. Sitting at the same house, under the same roof, your love and compassion should increase, but it is the, the, the Satan is distracting your focus, it is shifting your focus. The comparison between families, my father, his father, my wife, his wife, my husband, her husband. Comparison. Satan is shifting your focus from what you are meant to be to something else. And this happens when we go outside the presence of God. That's a verse in Matthew 24, 12. It says, because of increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Normally, when we say wickedness, we think about great sin, killing someone, murder, uh, violence against women, or robbery, or whatever you, you think is the biggest crime. Wickedness, every big wickedness starts with a small point. And that small point is when Satan deceives you by shifting your focus. When we allow a small thing to happen, and we are convinced that we are not wrong, that is the first step to go towards greater wickedness. You can go ahead and think about it. Every big sin has a small beginning. Every big blessing has a small obedience. So the Bible says that the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. 
And the small wickedness that we allow is for Satan to shift our focus. And as we keep allowing him to shift our focus, the love for each other has diminished. It's almost gone. Nations are fighting against nation. Husbands against wife, wife against husband. Children don't disobey parents. No love from parents to children. Because we allowed somewhere Satan to shift our focus. And it's been very successful in doing this because it does not seem to be a big sin. Because he moves one step at a time, one brick at a time. He removes one brick at a time. And over a period of time, you don't even realize that your entire castle has come down. The castle that you build through faith, the castle that you build through prayer, the castle that God graciously gave you. Though I don't know whom I am speaking to today. Do not allow Satan to shift your focus. Revisit your life today. Do not allow Satan to shift your focus. Be very content with what you have. Anytime you have a doubt, just kneel down and God is there. The Holy Spirit will reign over you and He will guide you. He will let you know what's happening in your life. Do not allow Satan to go ahead and shift your focus. Because when you initially go ahead and allow him to shift your focus, the lack of love comes inside your love in your life. And lack of love, trust me, is the root of all the other problem. Adam and Eve, they allowed Satan to shift the focus from God's love, from God's word. He shifted to pride. They wanted to be like God. They allowed that small shift of focus. And you know what happened now. We all are here. We all are struggling at times. Because two people allowed Satan to shift their focus. It was such a joyful, pleasant moment to be in the Eden Garden, Garden of Eden. God being the provider. No trouble, no fear, no corona, no joblessness, no packets, nothing. A peaceful life. Satan came inside their life and shifted their focus. Why do you have to be like this? Why do you allow someone to rule over you? Have this fruit and you will become like God's. Oh really? Let me try it. That's how all the sin walks inside our life. Entire destructions come into our life. The castle that you build with faith, with perseverance, with time, with dedication, with sacrifice, comes down in one day. Brick by brick, Satan removes from your life. The castle is being destructed or, or uh, demolished over a period of time just because we allow Satan to shift our focus. When we move to Matthew chapter 14, it's about the same incident. We've been hearing it from our Sunday school day when the disciples were traveling in the boat and they faced a huge storm. Trust me, 
I'm so confused about this uh, entire incident. Few minutes back or few hours back or even days and weeks, they've been traveling with Jesus. They've been seeing miracles day and night, blind been seeing, lame walking and whatnot, deaf hearing, death coming back to life. Yet, when a storm struck them, they were all gone. The entire faith was gone. All that they saw through their naked eyes just got nullified. Are we like that disciples? When we turn back and see what a great miracle God has done in each one of our lives. How far he has brought us. I don't know about you. That song was for me. A wrench like me. From the miry clay, he put me on the hilltop. I can show you my medical documents where it says, I cannot walk, I cannot drive, I cannot climb stairs, I cannot do this, I cannot do that, I cannot eat this, but trust me, I do everything. That's because God has got me this far. But in spite of God doing all these things, one day I turn back and ask God, why did you forsake me? How do you, I mean, imagine how would God feel? I mean, you've been feeding your children, you've been giving education, you give everything, and one fine day they turn back to you and say, what did you do for me? That's exactly how our Father in Heaven would feel. You do a lot of things for your friends, and one day your friend forsakes you. You sit and cry for days. Your friend doesn't talk to you. You get so disappointed. But we don't talk to our God Almighty at times when there is trouble. We are like, God forsake me. I don't want to talk to him. Three days back, one of the uh, person called me whom we have been counseling for some time. He messaged me on WhatsApp and said, Anna, there is nothing left in my life and I want to commit suicide. My wife was shocked. He's like, God of mercy, if he wants to commit suicide, why was the last note to you to put you in trouble? I'm like, he called me and I, I mean, I called him, he did not pick up the call, but he was just responding in WhatsApp. Anna, I want to commit suicide. And I have to pray for him, send him a voice note, and then he said, okay, Anna, I dropped the idea. And that's, that's how the world is. I mean, he doesn't even know why he wants to commit suicide. Anna, I'm not comfortable. I don't know why, but I feel like committing suicide. It's become so simple. I don't know why, but I don't feel like eating. Okay, that's acceptable. I don't know why, but I want to commit suicide. So much of depression. When you turn back, you would know how far he has brought you. And do you think all this while he made you travel just to commit suicide? Just to have negative thoughts within you? Just to ask God, why did you forsake me? Just to ask God, why am I so sick when a non-believer can get healed? Why am I not getting healed? Are we worthy enough to question him? Are we still like the disciples? Are we still like Peter? The moment he saw Christ, he did not believe. He's like, if you're God, let me also walk on water. And God is like, okay, come, that's, that's very simple, walk. And he, he took a couple of steps and the, then he drowned. 
You know why? Because all this while when he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the storm, he was walking on the water. But the moment he saw the wave, he started sinking. And that's what happens in our life. Every time you look at God, we are overcomers. Every time you look at the situations, the situation overcomes us. We are called not to go every time into the presence of God with tears. We, are, we need to go with joy even when we are in trouble. We need to go with joy and tell God, I know that you got a way out for me. Yes, God is always there to hear our cry, hear our problems. But how long are we being going to be like uh, a baby who's always dependent on milk? 1 Corinthians uh, 3.2, that's what Paul says to Corinthians. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Is this what the world is going to call us? You're still not ready. You only deserve milk. You cannot do miracles. You can pray, but you cannot find an answer for that. This is what we are expecting the world to condemn us with. I mean, it is a great condemnation for all the Christians if someone says that you are still worthy of milk and not solid food. Instead of going and saying, God, I have a strom. Can't we go to the strom and say, hey, you know what? The creator, your creator lives within me. You better be calm. Let me repeat it for you. Instead of telling someone or even God that God, I have a strom, pastor, I have a strom, brother, I have a strom, turn back to the strom and say that your creator lives within me. You better be calm. You are a loser being, and you know it. I know it. Time and again, you've been a loser being, and you, I have proved it. Time and again, you've been a loser being. But shameless, you come and fight with me, knowing that you're going to be a loser again. Or we are going to accept that I am going to be fed only milk, no solid food in my life. Are we going to be matured adult or infants in faith? We are, we, are, we are heading towards end days, if you believe it or not. The things that we see across, the destructions, the pandemic, everything written in the Bible is getting fulfilled. We are almost close to the end days. We're going to have greater storms in our life. We are called for a greater purpose. The Bible says that we've been called to be the salt and light for this world. How long can we be trusting on milk like infants and trusting, feed, getting fed by, of milk? Do you think we can be salt and light for this world? I don't think so. We need to grow up a matured adult. I'm not against reaching pastors or fellow church member or a family member for prayer. It's always good to have that extra hand. But when are we going to be prayer warriors, praying for someone else? When are we going to encourage others? The Bible says that your light should shine so much that everyone who looks at you should glorify your Father above. If we are so fearful, we are so discouraged, we don't have faith, we are questioning our faith, we are questioning God, we are questioning ourselves.
what will the world speak about us? How long are we going to be like infants? Can we start looking at him, not the circumstances? As long as Peter saw his face, he walked on the water. And the moment he saw the wave, the water ran over him. As long as we focus on the problem, the problem will overtake us. But the moment we see him, we will overtake the problem. There is absolutely nothing that can overtake us as the children of God. How long are we going to be fed milk? How long are we going to be infants in our Christian faith? I want to end with a small story here. There was a woman who got a summon from uh, the court of justice that there is an allegation against her and she needs to come and uh, uh, meet or she need to present herself on so-and-so uh, date which will be announced later She was very cool. Oh, I have a wonderful lawyer friend of mine Any case what big allegation this lawyer can in minutes bring me out of the case So she was very cool She was not worried about all these things One fine day she got a letter stating that okay next two days Next three days, you need to be present in court in so-and-so time. So this uh, person called her lawyer friend and said, you know what, that's a case. I know that this is a petty case for you. So you better be there and uh, bring me out of this case. And to her surprise, the lawyer friend said, I am sorry. I am being promoted as judge and I might have to judge you. I cannot talk in favor of you. We are living in the time of grace where Jesus Christ is interceding for us. But imagine, it's not going to be for a long time. He's going to come back as a judge and we're going to stand in front of him and we're going to tell him, Father, you know what all I did. Is he going to address us as my good and faithful servant or he's going to say oh you of little faith I know you not as it was written in Matthew 7 21 to 23 with this question I just call upon the worshipers to lead us in one song and as they worship I just want to leave you with this question today if our interceder our father our Jesus Christ is going to come back as a judge and going to judge for all our works, all our iniquities, all that we did. Is he going to call us my good and faithful servant? Or he's going to tell us, oh, you, man and woman of little faith, I know you not. Over to the worship team.